Let's give God a hand clap of praise in this place. Let's give God. For the mere fact that you survive in pandemic moments. Come on, you ought to give God some glory right there. If you was tired of just looking at your family in quarantine, but now you get to look at the rest of your family, come on and give God some praise. <laughs> I must tell you, I'm excited about being here. And I, I told him, I said, man, you know, uh, y'all could turn the clock off. You're only having one service today, you know. I could feel like I'm at home today, right? Because, you know, they have me on the clock up here. I have to be watching the clock all the time, so... But God is good and he's good all the time. I'm so excited about being here. We're living in unprecedented and uncertain times, but God is still sovereign. I'm going to say it one more time. God is still sovereign. He, he's still in control. Nothing that's going on has caught God by surprise. Really what we have to do, we have to get ourselves in the position to be prepared to, to do what God wants us to do. I think God is calling the church to a whole nother level in this season i believe that god is calling us to really be the church i took i think it took him shutting down buildings for us to realize that the building is not the church we are the church i got some radical people here in northwest who just holler back say i am the church uh, they might have shut down the building but they could not shut down the church we were still worshiping i don't know about y'all i've been excited i say shoot this is the most people I done preached to in years. Every Sunday, people be church hopping, jumping onto my site as they listen to the word of God. So we thank God for that. I thank God for those crew members of the ship who came over here with their bishop today. Come on, y'all holler back at me. And thank you, Northwest Pastor Peter, Pastor Mark. I love you guys, and we appreciate being here. Father God, we thank you for this moment. We thank you for this time. We thank you for what you're going to do in this place. God, we pray right now that, God, that your word would go into our hearts and cause us to see things differently, cause us to accept people in a different way. God, that we will be open to receive all and find out that we're all equal in your eyesight. And God, there's none greater than, than you. And God, we realize that in the church, there's no big eyes, no little U's, but Jesus reigns supreme throughout this place so we thank you and we love you in jesus name amen now i'm going to jump into this word i'm going to tell you up front some of the dialogue might be difficult might make you feel uncomfortable but guess what it takes real conversation to begin to understand one another and learn one another and sometimes we just got to have those difficult conversations anybody agree with me amen if we're ever going to have healing in the church we got to really really begin to talk about the things that go on and we can't expect the world to heal itself if the church is still messed up. So Psalm 13, Psalm 13, Psalm 13. Pastor Jerry, thank you. I love you, man. Just keep playing just like that. You done calmed my spirit already. Amen. Amen. Uh, so Psalm 13, verses 1 through 6. It says, How long without forget me, O Lord? Forever? How long without hide thy face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. 
Light my eyes. Help me be able to see this thing. Lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed against him. And those that trouble me rejoice when I am moved. But I have trusted in thy mercy. It might be injustice in the land, but I trust in the mercies of God. Are y'all listening to me? My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. I will sing unto the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. I want to take a few moments and I, I'm not going to try. I'm going to try to stay on, on, on script and on schedule, on time with 2621 left. Watch this. I want you to understand. I want to talk to you about enough already. Just say that with me. Say enough already. Now, if everything that's been going on, you finally hit a place where you got, you just holler enough already. I, I want to take some time to talk about what we see going on in America. I want to take the time to talk about what we see going on in the church because I believe we hit the enough already zone in America and in the church. So take a moment uh, 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 and take this journey with me. Take a moment to think with me about the popular game that most of us have played at one time or another called Monopoly. How many people ever played Monopoly? Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. And we know, we know how, watch this, how there are players in the game and each player gets an opportunity to play in the game, Pastor Peter. And as you are playing the game, you, you go around the board and you collect $200 every time you come around the, 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 the board. Now imagine with me that we're playing the game and all the black players that every time that it's our turn, for some reason you skip over us as if we're not in the game. I know it's uncomfortable. Imagine, if you will, you skip over us as if we don't matter. Imagine, if you will, that for the last 400 times coming around the board, we have been left out and looked over. Are you listening to me? Now imagine with me, keep thinking, keep thinking, now imagine that after 400 times around the board, you now say you can be included in the game. Those of you who are uh, uh, Monopoly masters would say that after 400 times around, everything has already been bought up. I'm trying to help somebody. After 400 times around, we can't catch up. Because we're 400 years behind. Each 400 times around represent 400 years of what African Americans and our black and brown people have been going through here in America. And now every time we come around, think now, we're landing on somebody else's property. And so now even the $200 that we get as we come around is not helping us, but we keep falling further behind. Do you get the picture? Can I help somebody? Once again, the 400 times around the playing board represents 400 years that blacks in America have been left out and looked over. It represents coming to a place and being stripped of everything that is you. And being used, watch this, to build stuff 
that you could not even own. It represents a fight for the freedoms of a country that would not even let you be free. That you would die in wars but come home and you can't find work or have a decent home. The 400 times, y'all make me feel good, just say 400 times. The 400 times represents being emancipated or made free but still being in bondage. It represents living life in a country that didn't even consider you to be human and living under Jim Crow laws that legalized segregation that kept us at the back of the bus in the back of the theater. Are y'all getting the picture yet? We are at this place in America and in the church where those who love God ought to be saying enough already. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I took the journey hoping that you would get to a place where you would say enough already. Do I have some radical folk in Northwest Church this morning who would just yell back at your boy enough already? I know, I know, I know. Watch this. This is going to be a surprise to some of y'all. I know this is going to be a surprise to you. But I am a black man. I, 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 it's a surprise. I know, I know. You, you didn't notice it, really, because, uh, 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 because many times we say, I'm colorblind. But I want you to know, you cannot live in this world and say you're colorblind to the stuff that's going on and the people that you see. Because every time you tell me you're colorblind, that means you don't care anything about me. You don't care about who I am, where I come from, what, what makes me who I am. Are you listening to me? And I stopped here long enough to tell you, it's not easy being black in America. Let me say it again. It's not easy being black in America. My wife asked me this morning, she said, why are you so nervous? I said, well, I got, I'm saying some stuff that, uh, that's a little on the edge. I can tell now that there are some people who won't be honest with their own feelings right now. But I must tell you, Pastor Peter, I'm concerned about the church. I'm concerned about being black in America. I'm concerned about black boys and black girls in the country where their lives don't seem to matter. Y'all help me. Maybe you can help, help, help me to understand. But you can't explain to me or justify to me how it is acceptable that a man is killed while jogging. You can't explain to me or make it acceptable to me that a woman in Louisville is gunned down in her house and shot eight times. You, you can't explain it to me or make it acceptable to me why a man's life is snuffed out over a possibility of a counterfeit $20 bill. Will somebody just holler say, enough already? This text we're dealing with this morning is profound because I believe it will allow us to address some real life issues in real time. Because if y'all would be honest, 
many of us, based on what's going on in America right now, can say we feel like the psalmist felt in the text when he was asking God, how long? He's basically saying, God, enough already. I've been through enough. I've been down long enough. I've been hurt long enough. How long is this going to go on? And I ask myself the question today of how long. It's not just to God, but I'm asking it to the church. How long, church? Note I didn't say black church. I didn't say white church. I didn't say Hispanic church. I didn't say Asian church. Whatever labels we put on stuff. I said, how long, church, will we just sit idly by? and never say a word about the wrong that we see. Will we continue to be like the priest and the Levite on the road who turned, went across the way or turned the other way while somebody was hurting down in a ditch? And it had a good Samaritan to come along and lift him up out of the ditch. That's oxymoronic because a good and Samaritan didn't go together. But the church ignored what was going on how long how, how long how long will we not open our mouths while a group of God's children are still suffering with injustice how long will the church allow the inequities that we see go on and not address them we have health in inequities we have financial inequities we got home inequities shoot we even got credit inequities y'all still here saints of God the church has to come to grips with this one thing and if we don't hurry up and address it we will still be dealing with this 400 year old dilemma 400 years from now We have, watch this, a racism problem. But the bigger problem is that we have a sin problem. I'm going to roll it back, y'all. I know we don't like this type of stuff. Pastor Peter might be saying, I might have messed up this Sunday. We have a racism problem, yes. But the bigger problem we have is a sin problem. I heard Pastor Mark say it the other night when I was over here, I caught it in my spirit. Look, we're talking about coming together, but we don't want to deal with the sin that's in our lives. When we start dealing with people based on racism or classism or socioeconomic status or sexism, we're suffering with the isms of sin. But what are we going to do as a church about changing all of that? Can we shift the narrative? Let me help y'all. I was going to talk about Martin Luther King and how Martin Luther King said, rioting is the voice of the unheard. But I wanted to bring it to a, a place where Benjamin Franklin said something that was so profound. Benjamin Franklin says, justice will not be served until those who are unaffected are as outraged as those who are. Woo! Good God from Zion. Church, we cannot sit around 
and watch injustice take place without doing something, without saying something, without intervening and stepping in and say, I know that's not right. Are y'all still here? So watch this. So I want to change the narrative here real quick by this moment by saying what you see, they're not rioting. What they're doing is protesting. Because protesting suggests that there is something going on that I disapprove with. Protesting says there's something happened that has outraged me. And I thank God for Generation Z because they're not stuck on, 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 on where somebody comes, where they came from. They're saying every, the playing field needs to be equal. And those who are my age, if we don't hurry up and do something, Gen Z is coming to roll us right on over. Because they've said enough already. They're saying I no longer approve a segment of, of, of God's people being mistreated and left behind. So in voicing my complaints, y'all, and asking God how long, I begin to realize that until the church steps up and until the church becomes outraged about what's going on, until the church no longer normalizes and accepts racism as a practice, we will keep repeating these same issues over and over again and sooner or later we'll have a Deuteronomy uh, 2 experience where they said enough let's change directions let's do things different let's go at it another way the psalmist teaches us that, that something that's very profound in talking to God about the situation and asking God how long he literally gives us a strategy and that is we must be willing here it is to have difficult dialogue that will cause us to become uncomfortable with the current societal systems that are in place. I need to help somebody here. You're getting a chance to hear me be very transparent today. But I can't listen to another politician tell me that this is the best of times for African Americans. I can't handle it. I can't listen to the narrative that says African-American unemployment rates are at an all-time low. When I drive through the community where I pastor and when I come to the church where I pastor and I see the struggling faces of people who do not know if they're going to survive. How long, Lord? Watch what he says. How long will you forget about me? Can I tell you that there's one of the most difficult things, Pastor Peter, I have to do is to come in every week and preach to a group of people who feel sometimes that God has forgotten about them. How long will you forget about me? The word forget is a powerful word because it means to ignore or cease to care. Meaning I'm struggling, but because not only does it seem as if the country I live in doesn't care, but it's, I serve a God that seems as if he does not care. It seems, God, like you're not paying attention to what's going on here. You put up the proverbial, out to lunch sign, I'll be back in two hours. 
How long do we have to watch our people be destroyed? Even when, look, even when we go to institutions of higher learning, even when we start our own businesses, we still are never seen as equals in a system that wants to keep us as less than. How long? Not only does he use the word forget, Pastor Mark, but he follows it up with the word hide, which means to conceal or be absent. But the sense of the absence of God in these times causes one to take counsel from themselves. And we all know what happens when we start taking counsel from ourselves. My state of mind is already not at its best. I'm already snap, crackle, and pop, cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, all of the above. Because of all that's going on in the lives of the people. You, watch this, you will get to something that I, I told them this other week at my church called the blow-up approach. Some of y'all have been there, I'm, I'm explaining to you. The blow-up approach happens when after many times of people not listening to you, you blow up. Come on, don't y'all sit there and act all cute with me right now. Because you don't want your neighbor to know that, that, that you, yeah, that, uh, that's what really happened the last time y'all had a falling out. You got tired of them. You was trying to explain something to them. You was trying to let them know something was bothering you. And they were ignoring you as if they didn't care about what you was going through. And then what happened? You had a blow up. Right? And you start saying words that you said you would never say anymore. I can't say them here, but they sound like scratch a ratch a ratch a ratch a ratch a roll. Are you listening to me? If you know with me, the first two verses, there are four how longs, which is significant, y'all, because four is the number of seasons. Meaning this, if we as the church can get this right, we can be part of shifting race relations in this country. I'm trying to hope somebody here. Okay, let me ask you a question. Is there anybody in here want to see the race relations different in America? Come on here. Can I tell you, even what we're doing now is historic because uh, what we would say is a, a white church and what we would call a black church. I, I, I'm stuck here. I'm confused with that terminology, but I'm trying to explain something to you. But we've come together. It says, we're getting beyond the colors of our skins. We're getting beyond our socioeconomic status. We're getting beyond what's all going on in the world. And we made up in our mind that we're going to be a church who loves God with all our heart, mind, and soul. We're not going to lead to our own understanding. And we're going to love our neighbors. Woo! As I was self. Do I got about 30 people here who just stand up and just holler back at your boy and say, I matter. Come on, where you at? Say, I matter. Come on, where, where the real people at? I, look, I, I know some, it's not normal for y'all. See, if I was in love fellowship, they'd have been jumping over the chairs by now. But understand, I need people who are not afraid to voice out the fact that you know you matter. You are somebody. You, watch this. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. Watch this. And I don't have to put down nobody in order to lift myself up. 
If we as a church can come together and work together, we could bring about change for real. We could be a part, Pastor Peter, of being a prototype on what the church could do, Pastor Mark, in shifting race relations and shifting the season that we in. We can bring healing to a nation. Uh, where Jared? Is he up here already? Come on, Jared. I'm about here now, baby. And watch it. Go ahead. We can be a part of healing a nation that's torn apart, healing a nation that's hurting, healing a nation that they don't have hope of better days. Today, as we've come together as Love Fellowship in Northwest, but more importantly, as the church. I believe we can start shifting and changing the narrative by repenting of our sins. Yes. Yes. This, this ain't popular preaching here. Amen. This ain't popular preaching. I shared, I shared with Pastor Peter, I'm going to share it with you, a great book that I'm reading called America's Original Sin. And it talks about racism. It talks about white privilege. But it talks about how we come together to heal the land. Because we just can't talk about the problem. David, if we would have had time to go through it all, David talked about the problem, but then he went into prayer. Verses 3 and 4 deals with his petition unto God. And then verses 5 and 6 deals with his praise unto God. See, I don't just talk to God about problems, but then I say, God, show me how to handle the problems that I got going on in my life. And God, I start praising you in advance of what's going on. Are you listening? I need you to understand. I believe we could do it. I believe we could change the narrative. I believe right now we need a Second Chronicles 714 moment in America where it says, if my people, who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. He says, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. If we ever going to see the healing in the land, the healing of racism, the healing of classism, the healing of social economics, the healing of disparities and injustices, we got to go to God. We got to turn from the way we normally think about stuff. Some of us need to turn off the news, whether it's Fox, CNN, MSNBC, whatever it is. We got to, for the younger folks, you're going to have to stop using Facebook as what, how you get your information. Heal the land, God. We are the church. We are all his people. And if we want to see healing, we must acknowledge the sin that's in our lives that causes us to miss the mark of his glory. Those of you who are here sincere, Pastor Mark, Pastor Peter, I want you to join up here with me. Minister James, I want you to come up here with me. Those of you who are sincere and serious about seeing healing in the land, I know this is not on the script, but I need us to get to the altar. Come to the altar as brothers and sisters in the Lord. 
don't be afraid to even in a socially distanced place to make sure that you're doing something let's be serious about this
hands and sing it again. Let's shout with victory. 